0: Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership, and teamwork across business and sport. Hello, everybody. I'm Brendan Rogers, the host of the Culture of Things podcast. This is episode 17, and today I'm speaking with Sean Smith. Sean is the new installations director for Shinla Lift Singapore, where he has lived since 2018. Prior to his move to Singapore, Sean held a number of different roles in the Jardine Shinla Group in Jakarta from 2013 to 2018. He also spent time in Shanghai working for Global Eye, which is a financial planning and wealth management firm. Sean also did his national service for the Swiss Armed Forces, where he served as a lieutenant in the artillery division. Sean's passion sits with helping the next generation of leaders get ahead in the corporate world by trusting their conscience and helping them create an environment where employees feel motivated to do their best work and feel connected to the team. The focus of our conversation today is about taking care of yourself as a leader. Sean, welcome to the Culture of Things podcast, mate. Great to have you.
1: Good morning, Brendan. Thanks for having me on the podcast. What an introduction. Uh, Thanks so much for introducing me.
0: Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. So, on that introduction, mate, if there's any gaps you want to fill in and and tell us a bit more about your your journey and also get into that passion that you have for leadership because I know that's really quite strong.
1: Thanks, Brendan. Yeah, sure. Um, So, I grew up as a kid in Asia. That's why I've sort of had a a, a passion and that's what's brought me back to the region after you mentioned my Swiss uh, military service. So, that's what brought me back to, to the region. And I would say it's um, when I when I moved to Jakarta, it was really being sort of dropped into the deep end of the pool. I was uh, 25 at the time. I didn't really have much work experience except um, my national service. But I was really dropped into the deep end uh, of the pool, already starting to have to uh, lead people and lead larger and larger teams over my five years in Jakarta. And that I would say that's really one of the first places where I really sort of learned and got to experiment around leadership and, and really get passionate about it but maybe one um, you know one thing that really did kickstart the whole passion about um, about leadership was actually my my father so i have a great uh, dad who's who's also been you know leading larger teams in the corporate world and as a kid i always remember he'd come home or over the weekend or the holidays he would then share his stories his experiences his failures managing leading um, people, and I was still young. I was a teenager, but I was always absolutely fascinated uh, listening to his his stories, his learnings. I think that really sort of at a at a younger age, as a teenager, really got me passionate about how can you motivate, engage teams to produce a you know get a better result and perform better, feel more motivated. And then that's sort of led on to my military service, where I, um, where at a very young age, you, you know, you're in the Swiss military. A lot of a lot of people there don't actually want to be there because it's mandatory for all all men. So you really need to then experiment and learn how to motivate people. You don't have money to motivate them. You don't have titles to motivate them. It's really sort of raw leadership. What what gets people motivated? How can you make their life just that little bit better? while they're spending uh, time somewhere where they don't actually want to to be. So those two sort of key points and then my 5 years in Jakarta before I came to Singapore really got me extremely passionate about leadership but more so gave me that experience that play sort of playground to experiment and and to learn from my mistakes but also also to to learn new tricks that I can that I can use now in Singapore as well.
0: Your dad must be a fantastic guy and a fantastic leader. Given that you had some, you know, really good experiences and, and lessons that you learned from him. Can we flip that around? And how about you tell us? Was there any story that stuck with you where your your dad didn't have such a great experience in in leadership?
1: I mean, one thing he always, or sort of, I learned from him, and that's also from his mistakes, is really about maybe toxic or, or people that really don't feel that don't fit into the into the team culture into the culture that you want to build and I mean he he had some and his experiences was that we you know he he kept them around for too long he was hoping to help them develop grow them they would change and so on but he always told me about stories where he kept them around for too long because we we naturally believe that you know we can help them we can we can change uh, what's that sort of toxic or that nature there's that doesn't sort of fit into the culture that is is creating a bad environment and that that of, of course caused uh, you know strain on him but strain also on, on the team and i always remember him telling me he had one or two stories around that and that's something i've always kept sort of in in my mind and i've also repeated similar uh, mistakes but that's definitely one thing um, that i always remember him sharing in terms of Lessons he learned from things not going so well is that if you have somebody in the team that's really just toxic for the culture and and not contributing to the culture, you need to react fast because it can have such a big negative impact on the entire team. And as human beings, we tend to hope that things uh, will get better and we, we drag out that decision.
0: Absolutely, mate. A great lesson to learn, definitely. Talking about our topic, taking care of yourself as a leader... Why is this so important to you?
1: I mean, this this really comes back to my so my leadership philosophy and, and how I've developed it and what I believe in is really, as a leader, you need to be there for your team. That's your number one goal. Your number one priority is being there for your team 100% supporting them but i'm also a huge uh, sports enthusiast so now i'm doing a lot of uh, triathlons so also from the sporting background I, kn- I know that you need to have that rest and recovery to really perform at your best when it counts in competition and so on and if you just continuously grind out every day even though you're doing a lot of hours and you're putting in the work, but if you just grind out every day for weeks and weeks and months, you'll eventually pick up, you know, injuries, and your performance won't uh, won't really peak. So it's a combination of those two that sort of made me believe and realize that self care is so important for leaders. Because when you're a leader um, and your your team's relying on you, you're there to support them the entire time. So you need to be at your best when you when you're at work. You need to be at your best when your team has a problem or when there's a crisis and if you're not balancing that out uh, with with some form of self-care either over the weekend or in the evenings and so on then you just can't be at your best and then your team's not getting all the support they need so it's really about being at your best and being able to support your team when when they need you
0: and often there's a trigger point around these sort of events and, and when things become important for us so What was that trigger point like when did this topic about just taking care of yourself as a person as a leader become so important for you
1: so this was really back in in jakarta so as i mentioned that started off sort of my corporate career in in jakarta and i started off in more sort of an individual contributor role so i was doing project management sure i had a you know a few people my supervisor and so on that, that we were working together but i could basically generally manage by myself and if I was tired one day then I would catch up another day and catch up in the evening and things like that so when I was in that project management role for the first two years I didn't really realize or, or, or need that self-care at, at, at the time because I was entirely dependent um, on myself so I could do a lot of what I wanted but then after the two years I then got promoted into uh, an operations manager role and suddenly had about 15 Project managers and project engineers reporting to me, and I was still, in my view, quite young for that role, and I didn't have the industry experience. Nearly everybody reporting to me you know, had far more years of experience in this industry uh, than myself. And the only thing I felt at that point that I could really contribute was one, my sort of leadership experience for, from my national service, but also just being there for the team and helping them solve problems. You know. Getting through the red tape in the corporate world, bouncing ideas around, just generally supporting the team. And I knew this was going to be my biggest asset to succeed in this role, because I didn't have that uh, industry experience. And that's really when I, when it sort of it was sort of the light bulb moment, because I realized when I was, you know, when I was in the office or or during the working day, I had to be at my absolute best, because this was the one. Sort of skill or tool that I had to succeed in this role, and when you have people coming into your uh, into your office or giving you a phone call, you can't already be, you know, frustrated and agitated or tired. You need to really be fresh. You need to have that energy. You need to be able to inspire the team, and and the team needs to feel like you've got their back. And it was really that transition from sort of that individual contributor role to suddenly having, you know, a larger team that relied on you where where I realized I need to I need to take care of myself first so that I can make sure I come in to the office, I come into the work week full of energy and a hundred percent there for my team so I can support them. It was really this this point that made self care so important for me.
0: You've mentioned a couple of times about being there for the team and supporting the team. I'd like to just hear from you because again it's a real challenge for I know myself when it when I've been in organizations and for a lot of leaders out there how do you balance that time between some of the doing stuff that you need to do in your role but also being there for your team What what's your experiences around that and how do you manage it
1: this was definitely a struggle I had at the at the beginning because I was so passionate and so focused on being there for the team I also realized that basically my whole time was being taken up for the team, which was not a bad thing, but it did then, you know, exactly like you say, it it stopped me from being able to do the things that I needed to do. Whether it was you know, catch up on certain, you know, emails or strategic things that I needed to make a decision on. And what I what I learned with time was to really cut out time and physically move myself away from the team. And it might sound a bit strange, but what I learned is that if you're not physically there, so we were we're still, and we were still a very office-based company, so generally I was always in the office. And what I realized is if if I took, for example, one afternoon off from the office, so I went home and I worked from home or I worked from a cafe, if I took one afternoon a week off, then generally I would have enough time to then be able to work through those things that I was uh, I was supposed to get done or I needed to get done also to support the team but those were things that I needed to work on uh, by myself and just putting that sort of physical barrier between you you're no longer as easily accessible because somebody needs to call you. so then your team also naturally sort of respects that boundary and if it's not really urgent they won't for example call you or or come and talk to you so I've then, with time, carved out always in my in my weekly schedule, sort of that half a day, which is generally enough at, at the moment for me to get those things done that I need to get done. And the rest of the time, I'm then available for the team.
0: Let's go into the actual what you can do as a leader to take care of yourself. So tell us a bit about that. What can you do to take care of yourself?
1: Multiple things that you can do and that I, I do, and I think people can consider doing to take care of yourself. Um, I think the most important thing before I go in is that you need to find out what works for you, right? So the one, the topics I'm talking about now, some of them work for me really well, but you might find others work better for you. So it's really about finding out what works for yourself. But for me, the first one, I would say the absolute first one is is sleep. This has a huge impact to how energized, how much you can be there for your team. So for me, I always try and prioritize to make sure I get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. And that really ensures that one, I I feel a lot fresher and energized uh, in the morning. But it also helps me somehow when you sleep. And there's also research on that it really helps you process a lot of the, the learnings from the day and a lot of the problems you've got. And I often find you wake up in the morning and after a good night's sleep, you can really re-tackle problems. You look at things slightly differently with sort of a fresh uh, fresh head. So the sleep aspect for me is probably my, my n- number one sort of self-care tool that I would I would suggest to people because it also throughout the year and you know throughout your career, the sleep aspect also makes sure that uh, you get sick less. You avoid burnout and, and so on. And the you know being sick a week, uh, one week or two weeks a year has a big impact. And if you can basically avoid that or reduce that, and sleep definitely contributes to that for me, then that has also a huge impact on the on the long term success you have.
0: Can I just dive in there, Sean? Because I want to ask you about sleep. What would you say to those people out there, those leaders that they're on that adrenaline bus and they feel that they can really function highly on three to four hours sleep? You know, I hear that a lot with people. What would be your advice to them?
1: Everybody's different, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to be the person that says you they can't work on three to four hours sleep. But my advice to them would be try, just try it out. Try, you know, maybe seven to eight hours of sleep. Try it out for, for maybe a month, right? Try it out, be disciplined, try and get seven and eight hours of sleep and then reflect and be honest with yourself and see if there's a huge difference in how you, how you feel. I can share my, my you know, my girlfriend when, when we met, I was already, you know, sort of seven to eight hour uh, sleeper and she was sort of that kind of person. Oh, yeah, four or five hours, no problem. You know, still come to work. I'm doing well. I'm functioning well. And then I refused to, you know, go down to that. So we she then basically somehow naturally then adopted the seven to eight hours sleep cycle. And if you ask her now, she says, I can't believe I was only sleeping four or five hours back then. You know, I would never go back to that. Now that I've done it, I realize, you know, how much more energy, how much fresher, how much better I feel. So my advice to leaders that are really, you know, on that sort of energy and buzz and I can manage uh, three, four hours of sleep is just try it for, for, you've got nothing to lose, you know, for one month, try it, try sort of that seven, eight hour range and reflect how much different you feel how much better you feel and I think a lot of people will be surprised what a huge impact it has.
0: Tell us about some of the other areas that you think leaders can help themselves by taking care of themselves
1: the other big one I would say is exercise and and I combine it here here with hobbies so I'm a huge sports person and I know you're you're a huge um, sports fan as well so exercise for us maybe comes naturally but I definitely feel like getting some exercise, especially early in the morning, just kicks your day off much better. You know, the difference on a day where I don't have an exercise, I come into the office or I I start work and it takes me an hour or two hours sort of to get into things. And as your body sort of wakes up and you get your energy. But if you do some exercise besides all the health benefits, it also helps you be less sick and it helps your immune system. Besides the health benefits, it also just kickstarts your day well and i feel like if i've worked out in the in the morning i come into the office and i'm already firing you know on all cylinders i'm 100% energized and i think there's that but there's also during the exercise or other hobbies you know for other people it might be playing an instrument or painting or something like that those are the times where you really think about your problems and you do your best thinking so for me when i'm on on my bike or i'm running you know, you have no devices. Um, you're, you're not generally looking at a TV screen or a mobile phone, and it's really you and your thoughts. And that's you know, one hour or half an hour, even half an hour, 20 minutes every day. It's a great time to sort of process the problems you have in the day ahead or in the week ahead. And really, the best thinking is done for me during that time. So I'd say exercise and finding hobbies that really allow you to do that is is another fantastic way. And it doesn't have to be super long it can be 20 minutes 30 minutes every every morning or every day but it gives you that your me time right so you make sure you have time to process your thoughts your problems without always looking into a screen while also getting your energy levels up
0: the thing coming through my head is that what you're sharing is really sensible stuff you know sleep and exercise is the as the top too, from your perspective, it makes perfect sense. And there's probably a lot of people out there thinking, well, you're not telling us anything we don't already know. But why don't people do it?
1: I think, yeah, that's a a good point. So I would say people don't do it because often they need to make a decision, right? And uh, making decision takes energy. So if every morning you wake up and you need to decide to go and work out, or you need to decide and make time for that hobby or that exercise or sleep where you need to in the evening like you said I need to be more disciplined and go uh, go to bed on time that decision takes up a lot of a lot of energy and you're already generally quite exhausted from the work day or work week and so on so making that having that willpower and that decision decision power is quite a challenge for anybody we're we're, you know we're all human beings even for me it, it gets very challenging and i think the 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 key here is to make it a routine and to really sort of block out your time so for me the the workout in the morning and the sleep is is really become a habit and a routine so i don't need to think about it anymore i've just done it for for so long and and you know people will say well you've been doing it for for a long long time so it's easy for you but i would generally say sort of for routines and habits to form my experience and there's also some uh, research on that, it generally sort of takes anywhere sort of two to three weeks. And if you can stick with it for two to three weeks, then it sort of becomes a natural process and you don't need to use that energy to do it. So for me, you know, I get up in the morning, I make myself a coffee, and it's just part of my routine that I then go on the bike or I go for a run. And I don't need any of that mental energy to make a decision and motivate myself to get on the bike or to go into the pool or or, or go for a run, and the same for for sleep. You know, we've we've also we've, we set ourselves an alarm at nine nine p.m. that says you know we need to be in bed in about half an hour's time. And okay, we so me and my girlfriend we live together, so we also hold each other accountable and say, look, oh yeah, nine nine thirty now. Now it's you know no no more screens and and go to bed and read a bit, and and fall asleep by ten. So it's really making it part of your schedule, making it a routine. So that you don't need to use energy and, and make decisions because otherwise, yeah, you'll end up, you'll feel tired or you'll feel frustrated and you won't have the, the, the willpower and energy to decide to go and work out or to go to bed early.
0: What I really look forward to is maybe in a few years' time when we have a, a chat and just check in on this sort of stuff, and when you've got kids, just tell us how that routine will be going then.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so I'm very, I'm always exactly so I'm always very careful. I, I no no kids, and I you know I absolutely admire people with kids, young kids, and for sure you know it's a it's a whole different ball game uh, then. But I and, and yeah, then maybe, you know, exercise and so on needs to be reduced because of the time commitments with family and, and so on. But I do think even then, probably um, even then, probably that routine and that habit will help even with the kids will help to to bring some, you know, make it easier and bring some structure to the day or, or to the week. Otherwise, it quickly. The kids and, and, and work and everything just totally consume uh, consume your life. That's also not very sustainable long-term.
0: Yes, it does require a little bit more discipline. And sometimes it means that the time that you'd like to do something is not always suited perfectly. Um, but if yeah. you really have that discipline and routine, you can work around it. So, mate, I th- I th- I'm sure you'll do fine with kids as well.
1: I absolutely look forward to catching up in a couple of years um, when I've got kids at home. And I'm pretty sure I'll have a totally new perspective on, on self-care and how to, how to manage my time and so on. I must say at the end of the day, you know, I always greatly respect people with, with kids that still manage to find uh, time to exercise and take care of themselves because I know it must be a huge, huge uh, challenge.
0: I know there's a few other points that you live by as well. So around the, the taking care of yourself. So do you want to dive into a few of those as well?
1: The other one I would say uh, is really friend you know friends and family I, again it sounds it sounds obvious and none of the sort of top tools you can use for self care are sort of totally new discoveries but friends and family again like with exercise and and like with sleep we often sadly you know neglect and we don't make the time for them but the you know the energy the happiness we get out of meeting with really good friends or or seeing our family and spending time together uh, with family is a huge energy boost to you as a person and and can also really set you back on a sort of a positive uh, mindset so i've also often felt you know i might i might end up in a bit of a negative mindset or or you're just a bit down because you've had a lot of things uh, you know going wrong you're feeling frustrated and so on and despite, you know, sleep and exercise, you're just not in that in that positive mindset and meeting, you know, making sure you meet up with really good friends or friends and family that always are there to support you has a huge um, impact on getting you to look, th- look at things positively. Again, again, I, I generally uh, I like meeting up with friends and family as well, because your devices, your mobile phone, your iPads, etc., they're all they're all gone. So it's just having those conversations and through those conversations, one, you get sort of, you, you feel happy um, and it's nice meeting up with people. But I've also, also generally found I, I end up feeling and thinking far more positively afterwards. So I'd say friends and family is another one that should somehow be structured or scheduled, make time for friends and family, because it's not all about of it's not all about work. Your friends and family will be there even if you you know if you don't have a job or or. Uh, you're somewhere else they're always they're always there for you another big thing for me is also you know taking really real breaks in the year right so depending on where you work you'll have different amount of annual leave but it's you know i i talk to a lot of leaders that say i can't be away from the team more than a couple of days otherwise everything's going to collapse and so on so they take some long weekends here and there and 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 a day off here and there. But I really think it's important as a leader that you take you know two weeks off at a minimum, at least once, ideally twice, but at least once a year, where you really take two, maybe three weeks off. And that really allows you to entirely refuel and come back fully refreshed and energized. Anything for in my experience or a week or less, it's a great break. I still enjoy the shorter holidays, but You don't really get to sort of wind down from the the stress and from all of that that comes from work. And it really, it's sort of that two to three week holiday that really allows you to completely relax and sort of reset and then come back, come back energized. So I'd say those, both of those are another two tools that definitely help with self-care. And it's again, scheduling it in or, or finding the, finding time to make sure that it, that it happens.
0: Mindset gets talked about so often. Are there any other areas or things that you would suggest that people can do to really help their mindset? Because, again, the way I see it is exactly what you'd said in in maybe different words, that if you haven't got the mindset around some of this stuff and to, to take good care of yourself, then you're not even going to start thinking about having more sleep and, and doing mm. some exercise and spending time with friends and family and all those sorts of things.
1: I mean, mindset around, uh, around self-care, I think people that want to take, you know, make self-care a big part of their leadership and a big part of themselves, they really need to sort of start believing in that in that mindset um, that you can perform absolutely at your best and, and when it really counts, if you take care of yourself. So in a, in a way, you know, doing less is actually more. Working the entire time, grinding out just because you're putting in the long hours, Won't get you that success. It's being smart about the amount of time you're working and cutting yourself off at at a certain point, even if there's more work. Just saying, no, this is you know this is enough. I will be better off if I don't work more now, because when it really counts, I'll be at my best. And if you can sort of adopt that uh, that mindset and believe in that mindset and have and have it, then the whole self care topic and all the things we've spoken about will become a lot easier to implement. Like I know that if I don't get seven to eight hours of sleep, with time, my performance will will deteriorate and I won't be able to, to perform. So that, that's what still, you know, that mindset really drives me to, okay, look, um, I might want to stay up later uh, tonight and watch Netflix and, and whatnot, but no, nope, I'm going to go to bed because it really helps make sure that I'm at, at my best. And I think also to help that mindset, and I think this is one thing I've struggled with in the past, is also surrounding yourself with people that have a similar uh, mindset. It becomes very difficult if if all your friends and family around you are all, you know, don't prioritize uh, sleep and or even, you know, wear sleep as sort of lack of sleep as a badge of honor and so on. And everybody around you doesn't have that mindset on sort of self-care and taking care of yourself if you find somebody else or a few friends that have that same mindset it definitely helps you because you don't feel like that lone wolf all by yourself so it's also getting people finding people around you that believe in the same thing that you want to believe in and that really helps form that that, that mindset of okay maybe slightly less is actually more because i can really really perform um, when it counts
0: got this phrase ringing in my head you are what you eat where does diet fit into self-care
1: i'm not a a dietitian or i have no degree in diets and what you should eat and what you should not eat but for me healthy eating and you know i would say one big thing for me is probably alcohol they have a huge impact on how you just feel how you know how energized you feel we've all been in that uh, meeting after lunch where, where you basically fall asleep or you feel so tired you can't even even you've had a coffee you can't you can't stay awake that's a perfect example of how diet can have an impact if you're going to have a huge amount of carbs for example huge a uh, big lunch full you know tons of carbs it will basically for most people knock you out for maybe two hours two hours after lunch and you're just not you, you just don't feel good you just feel super sleepy and everything and it's because you're Body's digesting, trying putting all the energy into digesting the food. So it's these kind of things that can understanding how food impacts your energy levels can really have a have a big impact. And the other thing I was mentioning is is alcohol. You know, and I, I love to have you know a glass of wine or my beer. And so so it's not that I'm saying you know don't don't drink alcohol, but actually since that turning point where self care became a topic for me back in Indonesia. The first two years when I was the project manager, I was drinking you know, during the week, anytime, whenever I felt like it. But then I realized, especially in the sort of humid climate, even one or two uh, beers after work had a huge impact on how I felt the next day, how clear my head was, the energy levels and so on. So, for example, for me, I, I don't drink during, uh, during the week. Um, I only drink on the, uh, a bit on the weekends, but I don't drink during the week because I know the impact it, it has. And everybody's different, right? So some people can probably drink drink more and have, have less of an impact. But it's knowing and understanding how those things make you feel at the, end, at, at the end of the day or the next day. And I would say the last thing about diet and you know, what you eat and drink is it also has an impact on how likely you're going to get sick. And then you know one one week of being sick, even if you're going to work, but it's a huge toll on you, and then also your team. You're not feeling good. You're more irritable. It's etc. etc. So the diet, having a healthy diet, well balanced diet, you know, lim- maybe limiting the alcohol, making sure you you're always hydrated, drinking enough water, can have a huge impact on your immune system and not getting sick as frequently. And that, for me, in the long-term, really looking at long-term success as a leader and being there for your team, the less you get sick, the better. So I would say those, that's where the diet plays a big role.
0: Let's go on to that term, badge of honor. And how I relate to that is that some of this stuff that you're talking about, it's often seen as a leader's weak if they need to do yeah. this or show this sort of stuff. So for you and having lived and breathed and you are living and breathing this now as a person and as a leader in your organization, how do you create this culture of self-care where these sorts of things are valued and not worn as a badge of honor when you don't do them?
1: It's really about leading by leading by example and even myself having gone through you know, the last seven years, in the corporate world, I've often had self-doubt because I look around and very few people are doing it and I nearly often felt guilty of, you know, leaving my mobile phone outside the bedroom so I can get my eight hours of sleep, whereas all the other, you know, management team members, directors, etc., a lot of them just have you know always accessible via their mobile phone. And that made me feel at times, you know, guilty or like like you said, like it's a it's a weakness and i think that's where it comes in so if, if your leader if your le- leader of the team shows that it's okay and leads by example and and you know communicates that then the entire team will one not feel not feel so guilty but they'll then with time feel like it's even encouraged if you do a good job of communicating and and showing you care when you're having conversations with your team about these things whether it's sport whether it's sleep whether it's not sending emails over the weekend or in the evenings, all these kinds of things. If you openly communicate about that, share what you're doing to take care of yourself, that slowly translates down down to the team. And you're know, you, you maybe having coffee and you're talking to them and you can ask them, so what are you, you know, are you doing anything this evening? What did you do over the weekend? What hobbies do you have, exercise? If you show a clear interest, then people will start feeling comfortable about it. And that combined with you sharing what, you, as a leader, what you're doing, your habits. So I, I frequently share, you know, I, I exercise in the morning. So my whole team knows that, you know, basically early morning I'm working out. So I'm basically not, you know, not accessible. People can't call me. And all, all these things then start adding up. If you do it consistently, you communicate and you share consistently, that all starts adding up to create a culture where people feel safe to take care of themselves and don't feel like they should feel guilty or that it's a weakness. And with time, people will start seeing it as, oh, it's a strength and it's something that's, that's encouraged. So it's really about leading, leading by example and communicating transparently and openly what you're doing as the leader, but also showing interest to your team around what, what they might be doing to take care of themselves and give themselves a break. How does
0: this work in managing up so let's say you're that leader, you're really practicing self-care, the people in your team are understanding that and valuing it and they get seeing benefit from that. but the leaders above you aren't. How do you manage that situation?
1: That's quite tough. So again, I've come to a point where I'm happy and I, I believe in it so so much that I don't mind so much if people think that I'm that I'm crazy and so on. So I'm, I'm happy to talk about it with, with my boss and openly, you know, the whole management team here in, in Singapore, including my boss, they all know that I do my sports, that I go to bed early, but I'm, I'm up earlier than than most. And people have, have gotten used to it. And I think the key thing is, if you show that as a leader and managing up to your boss or, or, or also to your peers, that when it counts, you are there, when there's a crisis you can still adjust your schedule that you're there that it's not this self-care aspect is not interfering really with the results that you're delivering with the availability of yourself for for the team when it really counts then in my experience that's always been okay um okay to manage up even if if the others you know all don't believe in it but i must say you know with without tooting my own horn too much what i have realized is so I've, I've joined you know management team here in in singapore and what i realized is with time me talking about it and me me also really believing in that self-care aspect you start seeing people in the team creating uh, you know small habits of getting exercise in the morning or or you know being less on their emails less on their phones and getting more sleep and stuff like that because people have realized, look, you, you can still deliver the results and maybe even very good results while still taking care of yourself. And he's still, you know, he's still very supportive in the team environment and, and to our MD here locally. So, yeah, no problem with with self-care. So that's that's how I've been trying to to manage Upward. Um, it's definitely, definitely uh, not easy. And, you know, I've had a lot of moments of self-doubt as well where I think, oh, maybe I should just be working all hours and so on. And, and that's maybe that's maybe what it takes in these kind of positions. But yeah, you share openly what you do and it, it, you make sure you deliver those key results and you're there for the team. I don't think anybody then really has has a problem with it.
0: Wait, let's move into self-care during these recent months. COVID-19, in a lot of places around the world, there's been shutdowns people have working from home and there's lots of good and maybe there's lots of not so good around those sort of scenarios but how have you dealt with that keeping this routine and the importance of self-care during this COVID-19 period
1: so man that's been um it's been super tough I would say it's been the toughest you know toughest time for me in in terms of self-care despite you know at the beginning when so in Singapore maybe to give a bit of context in Singapore we've basically been in lockdown for the last sort of three and a half months basically always at at home and for at least a two months period you weren't allowed to see anybody else other than the people that you were living with so for me it was just me and my my girlfriend at first I thought oh this is great work from home I'll be super efficient and everything but with time it's been the toughest period in, in my career in terms of making sure I get that self-care because I feel like all the boundaries that I previously set around work and, and at home and, and getting exercise and so on have all sort of become blurred because you're at home the whole time and you don't have you know for me one of the biggest things that probably impacted me is I don't have that milestone of, of saying okay look it's around, it's five thirty six o'clock I want to be able to wrap up and get back home for dinner and that was sort of a milestone target that I always set myself for the normal work day but now that you're at home yeah I'm already at home so I'll just cook when I you know cook when I want so I'd end up working more and more hours without sort of really keeping track of it and because everything's uh, remote and it's also a you know a crisis for us and People were nonstop just wanting, wanting to, to call for team meetings and other team meetings and other Microsoft team meetings. Um, and they're just popping up in, in your calendar and everybody, everybody wants something from you. So all that combined then started eating into my sleeping time, into my exercise time, and just generally the time where where sort of downtime to re-energize and refresh. After about a month and then really realizing, what well, I've not got this under uh, control again, what i ended up doing is sort of creating those sort of hard stops for myself even though i was still working from home but a hard stop like i had in the office environment i said okay 6 sort of 6 p.m. we start cooking dinner doesn't matter if there's still more work you know emails and etc coming in we try to be stricter again with our schedule at home so that we can also make sure that for example we go to go to bed on on time i would say the other big thing was really learning how to make sure whether I was as a leader I was adding value to all those requests that were coming through because I think that was one of the biggest challenges I had because it's a crisis and because it's also you know everybody's remote and it's not easy just to walk by your office or see you in the office and ask you a quick question so all these Microsoft team requests uh, were coming in for short discussions here and there, and it just absolutely floods your calendar. And I really, and, and this has been a good learning for myself as well, is I really had to learn how to push back on certain things and say, look, you don't need me for this meeting, you don't need me for this decision, or try it yourself, because otherwise I just couldn't do couldn't do everything. And And that allowed me to then also make sure I was carving out enough time for self-care because if I said yes to everything basically my entire evening would be blocked out and then I would have to catch up on the weekend on emails and all those kind of things so was being able to say no to meetings that I was not really adding value to and they just wanted to have me in that meeting that really helped me carve out enough time for self-care during this period but I really I did really struggle at the beginning
0: of those things you did, was there one that made the biggest difference for you in in maintaining that discipline and, and the self-care at home?
1: I think really that setting up boundaries, um, setting up boundaries, because like I said at the beginning, sort of really got, you know, it really got blurred because now everything's at home. So you would start working a bit earlier because you're already at home you don't have your commute and you'd work later because you're already at home and there's no pressure to stop working and come back home and, and have dinner. So it was really sort of setting those boundaries and being honest w- with yourself because there's always tons of work that you can work on. But saying, look, okay, I, you know, I started at 8.30, but before that, I'm not really going to touch you know, my mobile phone and, and my emails. And like I said, at sort of six, a hard stop and say, look, okay, I've worked. And unless there's an absolute crisis, and that's where you need to be disciplined and honest with yourself, but unless there's an absolute crisis, I'll just come back to it tomorrow, for example. And putting those boundaries in place and being disciplined in that sense has really helped me because otherwise it was sort of downward spiral, which was no good for me and then and then for my team because I'm not able to support them and I'll be far more frustrated and irritated and so on.
0: For people like me and for lots and lots of those out there that have those similar challenges, what would be that bit of advice you'd give them to say and me just to start to move the dial forward on taking better care of yourself?
1: three things basically to really get things started off is one we spoke about it and you asked me about it was the the mindset first thing you really need to start working on is is trying to believe or telling yourself at the beginning that taking care of yourself will really help you perform better when it really counts whether that's for your team or or as a as a consultant and and running workshops and so on but really believing that taking care of yourself and sometimes doing less is more and that really allows you to perform when it counts. So first is the mindset piece otherwise the rest don't sort of flow. Then the next thing is really experimenting and finding out what works for you. I spoke about a lot of things sleep, exercise, diet etc but everybody's different and it's really about figuring out what gives you that sort of relaxing feeling and allows you to recharge your energy. And it's finding out what self-care tool uh, really allows you uh, to do that. And then once you've figured that out, and for me, that's, for example, sleep and exercise. Once you've figured that out, then you need to schedule it. And you need to schedule it and make it a habit and then protect that time. Basically, it's the second most important thing after, basically, after your family and protect that time. And don't let anybody um, eat into it. And if you can do those three things, so really work on the mindset, figure out what works for you in, in terms of helping you feel relaxed and recharging your energy and then scheduling and making it a habit and protecting that time you know, basically at all costs, then you're already off to a fantastic start in terms of self-care. And I think you'll be far ahead of, of most people in sort of the, the corporate working world.
0: For anybody who wants to get in touch with you and just talk about self-care or, or thank you for some of the suggestions and just talk leadership, how do people get in touch with you?
1: First thing is, and this is how, we, how we've met, um, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me under Sean Smith on, on LinkedIn, although I'm sure there are a ton of Sean Smiths out there on LinkedIn. So I've got a, my taglines, uh, creating workplaces where people go home happy. Brendan and I are, of course, also a, a connection And I'm based in Singapore, working for Schindler. So hopefully with those filters, should be able to find the the right Sean Smith. Alternatively, you can also write me an email to Sean, so Sean spelled S-E-A-N, at moderndayleadership.com. And you can also go to my website, moderndayleadership.com, where you can also get in touch with me, but you can also sign up to my email list. And I send out short bi-weekly videos on all things around leadership, self care, um, mindset, and so on. So those are the the best ways to get in contact with me.
0: Thank you, mate. And I, I have to plug your videos and I've signed up for your list. Really appreciate the time you've given us and sharing those points. I know I need to take some of these things on board to help me become better and to take better care of myself. So mate, thanks very much. I really appreciate you being a guest on the Culture of Things podcast today.
1: Thank you so much Brendan. It's it's been absolutely my pleasure. I'm uh, super passionate about this topic. Thank you so much again for having me on here today.
0: This episode has probably had the biggest direct impact on me since starting this podcast. Self-care is something that I struggle with. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm overweight, eat badly, or don't exercise. It's that I don't always prioritize my self-care. As Sean said, work will always be there, and you can come back to it. I consider myself extremely fortunate to have the flexibility that having your own business allows you, but the downside to this is it is very easy to get caught up working and not looking after yourself the way that you should. It's time for me to take action and prioritise my own self-care. For me, this starts with sleep. My alarm is set and I am taking up Sean's challenge. What action are you going to take to prioritise your self-care? These were my three key takeaways after my conversation with Sean. My first key takeaway. We keep toxic people in a team too long. I have made this mistake Sean's father has made the mistake, and Sean himself has made the mistake. We all want to believe we can help them and change their nature. Keeping them has a huge negative impact on the team and the leader. How is that promoting self-care for everyone when you keep toxic people? Act quickly and move them on. You will be better for it, and your team will be as well. My second key takeaway... Find what self-care options work for you. Whether it be sleep, exercise, spending time with family and friends, taking real breaks from work, healthy eating and drinking, or a combination of some or all of these, find what works for you. Don't try and do everything, just do one thing. Work it into your routine by blocking time. Be disciplined about doing it, and it will become a habit. My third key takeaway, remove the badge of honour, create a culture of self-care. How do you do this? The same as developing any culture, lead by example. Bring self-care into conversations, share what you do, ask others what they are doing for self-care and communicate openly about it. People will start to feel safe doing it and when they do it, they will experience the benefits. Having a culture of self-care will ensure you are there as much as possible to support your team and deliver results. So in summary, my three key takeaways were we keep toxic people in a team too long. Find what self-care options work for you and remove the badge of honour. Create a culture of self-care. If you have any questions or feedback about this episode, or if you wanted to let me know what action you have taken to focus on self-care, please feel free to send me a message at brendan at brendanrogers.com.au. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.